Let's Be Legendary podcast is a member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts ranging from true crime to nerd culture and convention news, please visit nerdandtie.com. We strive to make this podcast and story a safe and inclusive place for as many listeners as possible. So if we've missed any content warnings, please feel free to let us know. Content warnings for this episode include mature themes and mentions of genocide. The world is a weird and wild place, but even now, there are men who seek to tame it by any means necessary. Hatred is spreading throughout the land, covering it with fear and blood. Masquerading as propaganda for safety, darkness is spreading, consuming those who do not fit with the natural order. Infecting the streets with political grandstanding, they have set their sights on the highest office. Bounty hunters with badges try and keep the promises of a dead man, but the weight of death clings to their steps. Their rage is palpable, and revenge is consuming. Two decades have passed since the gateway between this world and a world of unbridled madness was opened. The door stands open still, and the wilds are slowly seeping in. Searching out the ones that freed them from their cage. This is the Feywild West. We are the nightmares they want you to fear. We are the dead man's promise. Let's be legendary. And welcome back to Let's Be Legendary Wild West Edition. It has a bucket. No, they stealing my bucket. <laughs> that's an old, that's like like prehistoric meme. <laughs> right there. That's right up there with like peanut butter jelly time. That's like older than peanut butter jelly time. Is it really? Yeah, that's really, wow. really old. That's like up there with the O'Reilly Owl and like. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of has cheeseburgers. Yeah, exactly. Got wow. it. Got it. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, last we left our incarcerated adventurers. <laughs> They had placed themselves under house arrest and had several meetings with their new lawyer friend, (laughs) Felicia Firehawk. Hi, Felicia. And also a surprise visit from Delilah. Right. I hugged her. She did not like it. She did not like that. And I hugged uh, Master Talden. Yeah. Yeah. If they weren't getting hugs today. That was the other thing. Talden showed up with Jareth. With Jareth. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. But then we wake up in the morning. Then you wake up in the morning. Celine. No. Celine, come on, wake no. up. Yes. Come on. Time to get up. You could just open a door. But you won't. But I could. But you won't. No, I won't. I'm gonna go make some breakfast. Wait. I just hold you for a bit. Hold her back. It'll be okay. That's not fair. What? That you can lie. Come on. Okay, get out of bed. I go downstairs and start making breakfast and probably some lunch for the kids later. Okay. So, I mean, I know Jared knows how to use the stove and all, but, you know, Mm -hmm. he's a boy. And he's a boy. He's, he's a boy and made a mess last time. Yeah. <laughs> somehow used every, every single, single thing. thing. Yeah. What did you make? Cereal? Yeah. Every single goddamn dish. <laughs> yep. So I'm just going to make them like a pre-made lunch. Yeah. I mean, leave the, no, I, I, take, I think about leaving the bucket, of, the eternal bucket of popcorn, but I'm like, I'm going to need that. <laughs> I have a feeling... Oh no, I don't have it. No, 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 we had it. Oh, do we? We took it out, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, right, I, I right, went, right, we do, because we had it when I was... We just can't take it into the courtroom, though. So leave the eternal bucket of popcorn. I know. I'm kind of considering the eternal bucket of popcorn as, like, a, a unique canon meta item. It is present whenever Never. whenever it is necessary. Okay, so when it when it is it like appears. Is it, like, an astral plane item that just appears when it's needed? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I just just it's because. Funny. It's funny. It's, it's just a funny little thing to Is have. This it's, bucket of popcorn? Yeah. It's it's her one gag thing. Yeah. So I'm just like, yes, fine. Or just you take could, it out to the ML space. Yeah. yeah. They were coming early, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Hopefully the kids will be awake so we can. It's about eight in the morning when there's a knock on the front door. It's open. Are the kids awake yet? Uh, you haven't heard them moving around yet. Door opens and James steps in with two constables. Alright then. We really have to stop meeting like this, James. That we do. Give me one second. Let me just tell the kids we're going. He nods and... One of the constables like starts to step forward, but he puts his hand out. It's like no. I give that constable a dirty look. It's like, really? But I don't actually say anything. Um, and I'm I'm going with you, by the way. Actually, as you get to the top of the stairs, you find that they're both there. Oh, listening. You guys are way too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to head off. Food is in the kitchen, including lunch, Sheriff. Okay. Okay. So you don't actually have to use any dishes. I learned. <laughs> I know. I'm just making. I'm. I am attempting to make your life easier. How do you use every single dish in the kitchen to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Just kind of looks down. Um. You even use a Dutch oven. Uh, the way he told me about it, it didn't start out just as peanut butter jelly sandwiches. It started out as something far more elaborate. And a meat tenderizer. He was trying to crush the peanuts. Anyway, food is in the kitchen. Be good. Don't set anything on fire and we'll... Don't set anything on fire is always a rule and yet we have never set anything on fire. Because it's been a rule, right? <laughs> so that's why you haven't done it. Stops and thinks about that. I guess so. That's how rules work. <laughs> Here, I'll add another one. Don't freeze anything. <laughs> he opens the door <laughs> a couple times. Here's another one. So, Do your homework. <laughs> okay. But here, here, here's a question. What if I already froze something? Can I light a fire to unfreeze it? No, you will put it in cold water and let it thaw. Okay. So I, I call Cortez and give him to what's our daughter's name? Adrian. <laughs> she takes him and. Mm-hmm. Does that like little kid thing where she like holds the cat under the arm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it just, it just holds it like. No, like like wraps like wraps around, just like. So it... the cat's like, like doing that over. The arms. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's doing that thing where he's like trying to get like a back foot, like please, please support yeah. my butt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You two be good. We love you both. Very much. But we'll come back. Good or bad, we will be back. Okay. But have face. Jareth tries to smile a bit, and Adrian uh, puts down uh, Cortez and then just like wraps her arms around your waist, Talia. And just. <laughs> And I'm just a pet her hair and give her a hug back. We'll be back. I promise. Good or bad, we'll be back. Can the three see us? They can't see, but they can hear. Okay. Do not be afraid. 
We gotta go. She steps back and picks back up Cortez. No ice, no fire. No songs. But freezing doesn't break anything. Yes, but if anything melts on something that shouldn't have water damage. I'll tell you what, sparkles go crazy. Cover everything in glitter, that is what your namesake would do. (laughs) (laughs) And if if you want to light something on fire or freeze something, wait till we get back. Okay. I touched Dara's head, but I don't like shut ruffle it like I normally do. I just... I have him. And we eventually go downstairs. Okay. James comes up and has two sets of shackles. Alright. Put them on. He puts them on you, Talia, and then Celine, he comes up and shows you the manacles. Uh, I had the constable's... uh, raid some old storage and uh, I found a non-iron pair of manacles. Apparently they were for holding some other type of magical creature or something but uh, they won't burn. That's good. They don't look like manacles. They look like two bracelets. Like two bracers almost. Mm -hmm. Fancy. Indeed. He cuffs them on and uh Okay, um, put put your hands together at the wrist. Yes. And he fishes around in a pocket and brings out a little stone mm-hmm. and waves the stone over the manacles and suddenly you feel that you can't pull the oh. braces apart. It's interesting. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you can twist, but yeah, they're, they're like magnetized together, but you can't pull them apart. It seems like an awful lot of work. Yeah. But fancy. Oh, look what I can do. <laughs> I twist my hands around a bit. What are the gods like thinking? Because we literally just like, yeah, here, put them on. And then yep. we're just like waiting slowly for him to figure this out. Yeah. What are the gods like? But, just... No, they're just kind of placid. They're just kind of placidly waiting there. Just like they're kind, prob- of, kind they're of looking probably, around. They're probably like, God, I don't get paid enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of them just kind of like looking bored out of his mind. The other one's kind of like just looking around the house. Just kind of like, this is interesting. The, the one who looks bad. Uh, and a little voice in his ear says, we are not boring you, are you? So you go to cast Thaumaturgy and there's this shooting sense of pain like right here. Ah! Oh, Celine, I'm sorry. I What was that? It's it's the cuffs. Ugh. I look I look at James. I can't cast magic. Just while the cuffs are on. James Wilde. <laughs> What'd you try and cast? I look at you. What do you fucking think? Oh, you were trying to freak one of the gods out? Would I do something like that? <laughs> look at James. Yes. Yeah, you would. Ah! You alright? I'm shackled too. You alright? I think so. Is, is it, does it still hurt? <laughs> no, it goes away after. It is like just a split second thing. So. Oh. James Wilde, you have... Um, you so- have taken away the one thing that was going to get me through this fucking day. <laughs> You'll be fine. Come on. Ah! Just let your. I was really looking forward to fucking with the other Atani. Just let that stellar personality of yours shine through. Oh, and it is so shiny, isn't it? Just. <sighs> All right, let's get this over with. You should have brought me up. It would help less. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the, the cold burn of iron is nothing compared to the sorrow I feel. <laughs> Dramatic. I mean, I love you. So, you are led out of the constable station across the square to the courthouse with Chief Constable Sarah Kremen. Chief Constable. She nods. Good luck. Ah! 
Thank you. Mm. Thank you. She looks at the cuffs. I apologize for that, Miss Argent, but given your tendency to cause disruption, I felt it was prudent. <laughs> Talia just starts, like, chuckling. Like... <laughs> Selena is pouting. It's fine. Disruption? That's a strong word. I like to think of it as cause entertainment. I'm sure. Talia's just, her shoulders are like shaking. She's trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> like flat out. I stomp on your foot. Ow! <laughs> your attorney is waiting for you at the courthouse. <laughs> are you going into the courthouse? I'll be observing, yes. Oh, all right. Well, here goes nothing, I suppose. Here we go. So, James leads you out. More constables take up position around you. So you're led into the courthouse, which is a very familiar setting to you as with the trial of Victoria Gresham. Vicky G. Vicky G. Vicky G. How, bi- how like, full is it? Pretty full. Like, f- as full as Vicky G's trial? I'm going to say a, a little bit more, just because of a yeah. 500,000 gold right, bounty. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Tally's getting, like, instantly claustrophobic. It's like, god damn it, god damn it. Oh, damn it. I, why? Uh, is James still with us? Yeah. Tell so many people, you're James. Why? Why did you do this to me? You could mess with so many people. I'm sorry. No, you're not. I am. No, you're not. Shouldn't be. It's all we need. Oh, maybe, but. No. It's going to be the two things I say shit and no. (laughs) No shit. No No shit. (laughs) No shit and shit no. Yes. Succinct. Yes. Just my I am brute. (laughs) It's just no shit. Shit no. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. All right, we're in this really busy fucking courtroom. Yeah. My skin is already starting to fucking crawl. So you're led to the front of the courtroom to the defendant table where Felicia is sitting there with all uh, with a whole bunch of like papers spread out. And as you sit down, you notice that she is wearing a very nicely pressed black suit with these like red accents to it and gloves black gloves that cover her magma like Mm. hands hi felicia oh good you're here i know it's such a shame that we are on time for our own trial be much more fashionable to show up late (laughs) fashionable maybe but not wise i'm so good at wisdom though you're also good with drama. I can't so. I can't cast any spells, Felicia. <sighs> <laughs> she, just br- she just breathes a huge sigh of relief. Why? What was the... Why? 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 What? Is there a way to detect that here? It's on record that, Celine, you are... A caster of sorts. There's debate as to whether or not you're actually a cleric. I am a cleric, so. I'm aware. But... The favorite cleric of the Undertaker. That's the part people hold in contention, is that you're a cleric of the Undertaker. And while they may disagree on that, they all agree that you can cast spells, and all witnesses have you pulling pranks with your magic. Okay, we need to work on this word prank, because it is, I feel, inaccurate what I do. What would you call it then? (laughs) I would call it... Dahlia looks very curious, like, what do you call it? I would call it a um, preliminary personality gauge. Well, you preliminarily test everybody's personality. Yes. There's a reason for that. Yeah, but if she... Were able to cast spells. Does there like a alarm that goes off or something? Not as such, but anything out of the ordinary were to happen, it would likely get blamed on her. 
Mm. And I cast message, so I shouldn't be doing this. She answers back with message. Don't do it, obviously. <laughs> I'm oh. frowning at you. Thumbs up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of like lean into Celine and kind of tease it. I can use my magic and you have to suppress yours. <laughs> <laughs> I raise my hands and then twist them. Then elbow you in the side. Oh! <laughs> that was my rib, honey. Ow. You have more ribs. <laughs> You have spells. Ow. So how good are our chances? She stops, pauses. I think they're pretty well. I think our chances are pretty good. I believe her. (laughs) Do I believe her? No. She's being optimistic. Really? Fine. They've updated their witness list, and you're not going to like it. Oh. My castle. Yeah, well, I don't like any of this, so bring it on, I suppose. Well, initially, they weren't going to call either of you to the stand, but after I submitted my evidence, they updated it to include both of you. You said we do not have to testify against ourselves. They can still call you. You can refuse to go to the stand. However, I would not recommend it. Why? It, it it signals to the jury that you have something to hide. I have nothing to hide. To what, exactly why I don't recommend you refuse. But you may if you wish. Alright. Well, that's not so bad. There are two more. The sheriff from Hanville. We were going to call him anyway, so... That's what you were hoping to do, right? And Maud. As in Blackwater. She nods. Oh, shit. Is that going to prove we can tell? Shit, shit, shit. We planned for something of this, but it's it's a gamble. We'll see what they say on the stand, but I have concern. I'm going to tell you, reaches out and takes Sabine's hand. I am still confident that we can get through this. I've gotten through harder trials on less supporting evidence. I mean, does the truth matter at all? We didn't kill him that way. I am aware. We'll just keep our heads on straight. Right. Take this one step at a time. Stick to what we discussed. I promise about kids we'll be back. And you will. Hear the bailiff call for uh, order in the courtroom, and can I look around? Can I see who's around us? Yeah, go ahead and make a perception check. <laughs> nope. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Usually, I'm much more perceptive than this. So with fourteen, looking around the courtroom, you you do see a number of people you recognize. You see that Juliana's here. Grim, Wendelwood. You see that Elra's here. I wave at Elra. Nods back. No, like, like, look at these cups. I can't get spells. Like <laughs> a sad face. <laughs> you also see some not so friendly faces. Mm. Like which ones? Specifically, Brown. He's, he's in the courtroom. He's in the courtroom, and he's looking directly at you. I just narrow my eyes at him. He gives a smile. And I just look away. So the bailiff calls all rise for the honorable judge Stoutman. In comes a dwarf wearing a big powdered wig and black robes. And he calls for everybody to be seated. I say in Sylvan, I would never understand fashion. The judge calls for the two of you to stand. We do. Talia Argent Grey, Celine Argent Grey, you stand accused of murder. How do you plead? Not guilty. Not guilty. He nods. 
Be seated. <sighs> he, he looks over at the prosecution. Oh yeah, what does this guy look like? Prosecution lawyer, Silas Turn. Okay. <laughs> and Talisha told you about him. A little bit, yeah. But I didn't like get a chance to like look at him. Yep. He's just a little shorter than you, Talia. Like, Excellent. So like maybe like five eleven, uh, maybe just about six foot. Okay. Really thin and lanky. His arms look a little bit too long. And his dark black hair is just like all greased back. Oh, gross. Yuck. And has a very long pointed nose and his two very small eyes. God, he looks like a sleazeball. And the judge looks over to him. Mr. Turn, we meet again. Mr. Turn stands up. Pleasure as always, Your Honor. Hey. Can I roll insight on the judge? Yeah. Uh, 17 plus 2. He has dealt with Silas several times and is absolutely done with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's something. That's not, I'll take that. I'll take that. That'll Maybe that'll work in our favor at some point. I'll, ta- I'll take the judge not lagging, though. Unless he also hates our which would be fun. Anyway, continue. Make your opening remarks. Silas immediately stands up, movements very sharp and quick. He makes his way over to the jury members. So all 12 of the jury members are in the the juror's box, and... Is it all mortals? Yeah. I'm kind of like scanning them over. It looks like there might be one person who might be half elf. Might be? Oh man, that's bad. Are they all dudes? No. Okay. Not all dudes. All right. They they seem to come from a fairly wide variety as far as walks of life. Okay. But they're they all look to be fairly mundane. Silas gets up and approaches the jury. In these trying times, one wishes that we could feel safe and secure in our own homes. However, it is creatures like these, and he motions over to you. I'm picking my nose. (laughs) That prey on us while we sleep in our own beds. We will prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the two who stand accused are less than mortal. When he says praying, I like look at Celine and I make like a prayer motion like, And I I do this and I go, ow! They are monsters. Creatures from outside the natural order that seek to destroy our way of life and how they killed a hero of the modern age. Nay, a saint. Talia has to try really hard not to laugh at that. Like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I cough really loud. A man who has fought hard to preserve the natural order to the point of his death. Pat your knee. (laughs) Silas sits down. And Felicia gets up. These are strange times in the world. People go missing in the fog. Orcs raid villages. The dead are twisted into horrid creatures. And children disappear from their homes. Yet in recent times... In every one of these instances, there has always been two people who see that the people are found. The orcs, she says in quotation marks, are unmasked. The dead are laid to rest, and the children are returned home. Members of the jury, I will show you not only are these two not the inhuman monsters the prosecution would make them out to be, not only are they heroes, but that they were nowhere near Jim Walker's home at the time in question. Kelly looks at the hero's comment, looks at Celine, and just like kind of goes, huh? We could be heroes. But just for one day. With the opening statements made, prosecution calls forth their first witness, Pavel Oldsong. Okay. And she gets up, just kind of a smaller human woman. Her face says like, 
late 20s, early 30s, but her hair is like an iron gray. Oh, okay. She gets up to the stand, and Silas begins with his first line of questioning. Miss Old Song, would you inform the jury as to your profession? I am a historian, a researcher. Do you study any particular field in history? Uh, yes, I study secret organizations and religious cults. A little on the nose. And where did you receive your education? I received my full doctorate uh, at the Airpike Academy, and uh, I continue to both study and teach there. In recent years, has there been a certain organization that has caught your interest more than most? Uh, at this point, Felicia stands up. Objection, relevance. Yeah, really. <laughs> and Silas holds up his hand. Goes to set up unknown aspects of this case, Your Honor. There is an element that has not been made widely known to the public. I beg that you would bear with me. The judge looks down at him kind of like just with a weary expression. It's just (laughs) like he looks over at Felicia. Overruled. Proceed, Mr. Turn, but... I ask that you not turn this trial into a week-long history lesson again. I like this judge. So Silas continues to question Old Song, and she goes into the Vanasi, laying out from its vague ideas of its founding on where it came from, which according to her, it actually came off as a branch off of uh, worshippers of the crow. People who believed they found essentially the crux of knowledge, the solution to the problem of the world. And that was outside interference. Mm -hmm. And they upheld the belief that preservation of the natural order is of utmost sanctity. And Silas goes to question her on what does she mean, the natural order? Like, what does this organization believe? And she, again, lays out a very flowery version of the natural order. Mm -hmm. Lays out that essentially creatures that are not from this plane of existence, creatures that spawn from the hells or from the nearly forgotten Feywilds creatures. Like, and yeah, I like, I like, to, I like lean back and like do the turkey neck thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I almost forgotten. When did you remember it? Like 20 years ago. Whose fault was it? Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Who's fault was that? It was mine. Yeah. yeah. I tried to disappear on this tape. <laughs> They yeah. slouch down like nobody sees. <laughs> uh, makes it very clear to the jury members that the natural order includes all of them. Mm-hmm. Silas approaches her. In your studies, have you come across evidence as to who are members? Yes, quite a few, in fact. And... Would you say that there are some noteworthy names on this list? Quite a few, yes. Uh, several leaders of organizations, uh, many members of the 42nd Mercenary Troop, and also Jim Walker. There's kind of a... Oh. Yeah, there's a hole. Host put in a put in some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah put, no, in, put in some crowd muttering. Yes. Yeah, we will. Cross examination comes, and Felicia comes up. Miss Holdsong, what is your relationship with the Venasi organization? Silas immediately stands up. Objection. Judge asks. On what grounds? Her relationship with the organization does not invalidate her expertise. Felicia just kind of turns and looks at him. 
and looks back to the judge. No, but it could go towards bias. Judge nods. Overruled. Answer the question, miss. I myself am a member. Talia narrows her eyes. Of fucking cows. Felicia just lets that hang in the air for a second. No further questions. Ouch. That was savage. I feel a little bit better about this. She leaves the stand. Mm-hmm. Silas. That's a good stout. Next calls up Ernest. Why is he going up Ernest? Oh, did you sell him a bunch of shit? Yes, I did. <laughs> Here's all the gold they gave me. It is here. I have so much of it because they spend a lot of money. What does that do? So bad we got him into this. Don't feel too bad we are paying his rent. Ernest comes up and takes a seat. How does he look? Make an insight check. Natural 20. I am way more concerned. 28. So, Celine. With that nat 20, I'm actually, I am actually like predetermined this in my head. It's just like, if anybody gets a nat 20, they're going to get a little extra information. And Ooh. then you roll a nat 20. So Yay, and I have bit. really good insights. Yes. So, looking at Ernest, he like is hiding it really well. But you can tell he feels extremely guilty for coming up to the stand. He's, he's coming up and he's wearing thick robes and a hat that covers his horns mm-hmm. and his he, there's no sign of his tail at all there's nothing that can be done about his skin color so he didn't do anything about that but he still ch- looks like he's trying to just not look like a team uh, with that net 20 roll you also see past him a bit as he's coming up and get a look to some of the jury members. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of, like, several of them are not looking favorably at him. Mm. I, let, I kind of let you in on this. Mm. And I just, oh, God. Like, if he, does he at one point look at us? He does. He kind of, like, looks over at you and just gives the eye. Kind of a grimace. Yeah, it was a grimace. And I just give it myself up. Like, yeah, it's I just, okay. It's okay. I, I try and smile at him. It's like, it's okay. You know? <laughs> Doing our best. You know, you didn't have a choice. We know it. I'm so sorry. So he gets up to the stand. Mr. Felson. I prefer Ernest. Mr. Felson, he says after Ernest. Don't be a dick. Yeah. I actually say that loud enough. For, like, people to hear me. I'm like, don't be a dick. Yeah, be nice. Would you please explain your profession to the jury? Um, I am the user of the arcane arts. I spend most of my time crafting magical items and selling them in the researcher's respite at the uh, central library. You also teach, do you not? Uh, yes, I do. I I teach some uh, advanced enchantment classes at at the academy. Um, I also do a fair b- amount of uh, research, as I, as my place of business is the central library. I have uh, quite a bit of material access. Yes. What has been one of your Recent topics of study. Oh no. Oh shit. The Venasi organization. Their history, their uh their movements, their traditions and etc. Would you call yourself an expert? I'm no expert. I am simply a dedicated analyst. And as a dedicated analyst, are you affiliated with the Venasi in any way? No, I am not. Given my heritage, it would seem counterintuitive. Thank you. Would you tell me what you know of the incident that occurred on 
the 19th of the Moon of Fading, 19 years ago. Um, yes, I, I can go into detail about that. I don't know what I tell you. Stoneface. Uh, according to what records I was able to find, three Venasi members entered into a community and proceeded to execute every member. How's the jury look at that? A couple of them are kind of shooting each other looks. Just like, okay, we were just told that these people were, you know, great and protecting us. Why would they just go go into a place and murder people? Why indeed? Um, Indeed. Was there anything about these people that could be described as unnatural, as established by Miss Old Song. As Miss Old Song defined unnatural creatures as originating from another plane of existence? No. <laughs> Mr. Felson, Ernest, was it not documented that that was a community of uh, lycanthropes? Yes. Thank you. Will you explain to the jury what happened in a small farming community outside of Blue Peak 14 years ago on the 24th of the Moon of Flowers? A small community was overtaken by undead. Three individuals were seen entering, and by the time they left, uh, all the undead were killed. Felicia stands up. Objection. Relevance. What does this have to do with the death of Jim Walker? I'm getting to that, Your Honor. This is all going up for motive. If you will please bear with me, I promise not to drag this out too long. Judge just... Promise? (laughs) (laughs) Not too long now. Overruled, Miss Firehawk. Mr. Turn, I trust you will hold to your word. Mr. Felson, going back to the incident that took place 19 years ago. Ernest. The incident that took place 19 years ago. Badgering. Miss Firehawk, control your clients, please. (laughs) Trying, Your Honor. I can't use magic, but I can still cause chaos. Just kind of looks over at the two of you. And I'm just, I'm not looking at her. I'm just smiling over at town. I'm trying to like, look at, I look at Firehawk. It's just like, he asked him like twice to use his actual fucking name. Idiot. Revisiting the incident that took place on the 19th of Fading. Did you find in your records which three individuals were responsible. I did. And who were those individuals? A constable, Constance Melody, current businessman and politician, Leroy Brown, and general of the 42nd, Jim Walker. That community of lichens Were they all killed? No. There was one survivor. Are you aware of the identity of the survivor? I am. Talia just kind of closes her eyes and her shoulders slightly slump. And I just, I I have my hands down and just kind of poke your leg. Would you please Tell the jury the identity of that survivor. Talia Argent Gray. She kind of just slowly looks up. What's the jury look like? Roll insight. Oh! It was an 18 and then the dice was like, "Mm, no, No. two. 15, 16, 17, no. Okay. Celine, you're like sitting just so that Turn's head is like blocking a large portion of okay, your view. Okay, but okay, but what was the DC on it? Because I got ten in total. 
Oh, uh, ten in total. It it was higher than that, but okay. So you're okay. you're able to get like a little bit. Like there's like some there there are some looks kind of passing back and forth on the jury, but you're just kind of having a hard time reading them. Talia looking over, you see a mix of a wide range of emotions. There are some that appear to be sympathetic. I mean, your whole community was wiped out. Mm -hmm. There are one or two that have a look of good riddance. And, like, there's that spectrum of emotion in there. Mm -hmm. Like, that and everything in between among the 12. So it's still hard to get a, like, really good read on the overall opinion. Yeah. Silas sits down, allowing Felicia to come up for cross. Doesn't actually, like, approach, approach the stand, but... Mr. Felson, I'm sorry. Ernest. The incident that took place on the 19th of Fading, 19 years ago, in the records you have found, was there ever any threat from that community? As far as the records show? No. No raiding parties, no murdered people that were ever linked to anybody from the community. As far as the record shows, no. She thanks him. No further questions. And he gets down and again, kind of grimaces at you in apology. I just, I try to give him like a... I like smile and shake my head like it's okay. Yeah, same. It's okay. So after Ernest leaves the stand, the next witness is called up. Somebody you've seen once before. Oh? Oh? The gnome comes down the aisle and comes up to the stand taking a taller stool. Tander Amble Hollow, oh. the librarian. Oh, the, yeah, that guy. Oh, oh they got this guy down. Oh, fuck. Oh, man, he's go. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> man, they're going all out. Wow. Yeah, okay, man, what, are they, they gonna, what are they going to say? They came in disguise. Well, yeah, they could actually say, well, shit. They came in and read books. Oh, okay. Mr. Amble Hollow. Tander, please. Tander. You son of a bitch. I don't say that out loud. But it's just like, oh, I, no, no, you, you, you sought it loud enough that I heard it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, really. But again, we, even, even so we've only been together like a year and a half. We've gone to that point if we just know what the other's thinking and like, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. you, no, you right. Like, I'm gonna kick this guy's ass. Tender. Describe to me the events of 11 days ago from your perspective. Oh, this ought to be good. Well, I was going about my daily duties in the Manasi headquarters. Yes, uh, you work as a librarian in the Manasi headquarters. I do. I am master of all information that comes in and out of Venasi headquarters. I keep track of all Venasi research and record keeping. So I was going about my normal daily duties. There had been a large influx of members gathering research for an incident that was happening in the nearby town of Dusktown. And I was working on reorganizing and sorting the return books. When two rather rude individuals entered my library and proceeded to badger me with questions, I did not recognize them, but they produced a letter of invitation, and so I had every reason to assume they were supposed to be there. They came in asking about the same information that several before had been asking about, and what information was that? The Feywild. I look over at Talia, okay, I know that we're in a lot of trouble and probably going to die, but that was hilarious. (laughs) Come on, you got to admit that was pretty, that was pretty amusing. Oh, hell yeah. For our jury members, can you explain in brief the Feywild? It is an unnatural place full of 
strange and wild creatures that have a tendency to prey on mortal kind. They makes it makes it playing ends. With emoji. A strong predisposition to stealing children. <laughs> now they actually snickers at that, but as soon as it comes out, she controls it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Felicia, not, not enough. But, Felicia you know. shoots you a look and just kind of like. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> come on, come on, Felicia. We might die after all this. At least let us have some fun. You're having fun increases the odds of you dying. Hmm. That is a predicament. <laughs> might have fun, might die, so should have fun. More fun means more likely to die. Which is a vicious cycle. <laughs> <laughs> These individuals, they came, they did their re- they, they did their research, and they left after pestering me with several rude and and impudent questions. Yes. Did you learn? anything about these visitors after the fact. I learned that they were in no way supposed to be there, that they had forged a letter of invitation and were later found out for the imposters that they were. They also stole several tomes out of the library. Oh, for fuck's sake, bill me. Yeah, I thought we were on trial for murder, not for getting to return a library book, Tammy. <laughs> There's the judge pounds his gavel. Miss Firehawk, control your clients. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> Tiny does actually. Like, hang her head. Like, oops. Nope. Gonna be in trouble. Nope. Sorry, not sorry, Felicia. Will you confirm Mr. Felson's statement of Jim Walker being a member of the Venasi? Indeed, he was. He was one of the leadership. He oversaw several operations in suppressing unnatural beings and protecting the district from their destructive natures. Thank you. Would you tell me something of this? And he motions to the bailiff. I present evidence number 45. I hate that number. <laughs> Jim Walker's Venasi amulet and he hands it over is this in fact General Walker's amulet he looks at it uh, yes it is indeed he flips it over each amulet is inscribed on the back with the member's serial number That's, uh, 5371 yes this is General Walker's amulet would you please Describe what this amulet does. Uh, well, all Venasi, at the beginning of their service, take an oath to protect the natural order. And this amulet binds them to that oath. So these amulets would be considered precious to Venasi members. Most definitely, yes. So it is unlikely that they would part with it willingly. No, they would not. No member would willingly part with his or her amulet. Turn takes the amulet and holds it up for the jury. This amulet that has been identified as Jim Walker's personal amulet that was bound to him, as shown in court record, was found in the possession of Mrs. Talia Argent Gray. How's the jury look? Not so great. Awesome. <sighs> okay. Yay. Talia, do you think that in the afterlife there are French fries? One can only hope. <laughs> because we're going to find out, probably. <laughs> I hope they shoot me rather than have me hang. That just seems like a waste of rope. Really unpleasant, too. Shooting is much quicker. Oh, yeah. Bit more painful, but quicker. We shouldn't be joking about this. <laughs> now is the perfect time for gallows humor. So, she comes up for the cross. Uh, Mr. Tender, Amble Hollow. Mr. Amble Hollow, you were not personally aware of these two that you described being imposters. 
No, I was not. You were, in fact, informed later by your superiors. Yes, I was. These amulets that the Venasi members carry, do they have more functions than simply binding one to their oath? And Silas stands up. Objection, relevance. There is an aspect of these amulets that render them beyond any symbolic charm or token oath, Your Honor. If the witness is permitted to answer, it will be revealed. Overruled, the oath that we as Venasi take is sacred to uphold the natural order. Would you say you would die to protect the natural order? Would you say those words? (laughs) All of those words in that hotel, please. (laughs) To the point of death, by any means necessary. As such, we recognize that it is, although distasteful, it is sometimes necessary to traffic with creatures of a lesser darkness to take on creatures of greater darkness. But that still leaves the taint of the unnatural on this world. And as we have sworn this oath to eliminate anything that is not within the natural order, it is understood that the job will not be complete until all otherworldly and unnatural influences are removed from the world, including the members of the Venasi. So on each amulet is an enchantment, a command phrase on each amulet that when spoken, it will terminate the life of the person wearing it. Some mutterings. Thank you, Mr. Amberholo. No further questions. The next witness to the stand is Dendrick Yerbin. Do I know who that is? You do know who that is? As he comes up, it takes a second because he's like actually dressed up a bit. But yeah, you recognize him, Talia. You recognize him as the young guard that was outside the house where the whole... Oh, okay. To the... Yeah, the house. Yeah. Okay, okay, I get it. All right. Yeah. To yeah, that one. You closed that, right? Okay. So, <laughs> it's like, you turn yeah, the, the gas on you. <laughs> no, I'm a fucking fae. Okay. He comes and takes a stand. Mr. Yerbin, would you recount for us what you saw on the night 10 days previously on the 30th of Bounty? Um, I saw... Uh, I was guarding... Mr. Walker's residence. Um, there's always someone on guard on the uh, on the leadership of the 42nd houses. Um, it was my turn to guard duty that night uh, when I heard gunshots. Does this kid look at me at all? Not at all. Oh, shit. And as I'm sitting there, I go, you are, we are sitting there like... Mm. Would you stop trying I, to do- I don't mean to. I really don't. It's just like, I can't do it. I really want to scale that kid. I know. Maybe after the cops come off. I, um, I heard gunshots. And I, uh, ran around to the backside of the building. And I saw someone break a second story window and jump out of it, land and run away. Then a second person with bright glowing wings flew in and joined them, uh, joined the first person and continued to run into the night. This person that jumped from the window, do you see that person in the courtroom today? And he nods and he kind of glances at Utalia and Points. My, my eyes are narrowed. Um, she's right there. Let the record show that Mr. Yerbin is identifying the accused, Talia Arjant Gray. No further questions. Then Felicia gets up for cross-examination. Mr. Yerbin, approximately what distance were you from 
these individuals? I don't know. Um, uh, 50, maybe 70 feet. So, say 60? About, yes. What did the second individual look like? Um, she was dressed all in white, had bright glowing wings, and uh, she wore a, a mask, pointed bird mask. What did the wings look like, these glowing wings? Um, I didn't get a really good look. You were 60 feet away and could not get a good look at glowing wings. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, um, everything was happening so quickly. Could you make just a general description? It needn't be highly detailed. Well, they were big, uh, glowing white, uh, kind of insect-like, like, like <laughs> dragonfly wings. Dragonfly wings, that's a new one. That would be cool. That would be cool. wonder if I can get, like, different, like, settings on them. So if Ooh. I want to have butterfly wings. Yeah, maybe talk to Nike about that later. After we're dead. If the bailiff would bring out evidence piece 43C. Oh, oh good. And I, like, I, like, get ready to get up and show. <laughs> and the bailiff brings out the pack this is Mrs. Argent Gray's wing pack, invented by a local of Airpike. It has a very specific function to create a pair of glowing wings that allows the user to fly. I look very expectant, like, and then you're going to ask me to come up and demonstrate. I know, it's okay, I will do it. With the judge's permission, I would like to demonstrate. Ah, yes, and I, like, stop getting up. Uh. Objection, relevance, overruled, Mr. Turn. If the jury will observe, and she's still holding it out in front of her, and then suddenly the wings activate. Selena looks aghast. She's sitting there with her mouth hanging open. It, it's all right, honey. And you can, you can re-attune back to them. <laughs> she took my wings. She didn't take them. She took my wings. She, she took my wings and she attuned to them. It's like... Chill, 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 chill. Come on, Tom. Ow, 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 ow. As a jury can observe, these are more in the line of feathered angelic wings than anything insect-like. And these wings are an impressive wingspan. They're mm. like 25-foot wingspan, pretty right. much. So... I thought I was going to, they were going to call me up and that I was going to do it and look very impressive and everyone would see how beautiful I am. I and everyone will remember me and everyone will be like, oh, remember that time that we watched the trial and Zelina Argent put on her wings and it was so bright and so sparkly and so amazing and I will never forget it as long as I live. I know. <sighs> she turns it off. So, Mr. Yevon, how far away? What are you again? About 70 feet. 70 feet. And from 70 feet away, you are able to identify my client, but not see a pair of 25 foot wide glowing wings clearly. Yes. Just like silence. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> she hands the wing pack back to the bailiff. Comes and takes her seat. I lean over. You took my wings. I was not. You attuned to my wings. You attuned to my wings. Yes, I attuned to your wings. First of all, the court was not about to allow me to put an escape device on an accused murderer in the middle of their court case to enable them to fly away. Where would I fly? There is. This is. This is a closed room. There is nowhere to fly. She looks around at these several windows. Okay, those windows. <laughs> those, okay, those windows. You might not have heard this in lawyer school, but they are covered in glass, which means I can't fly through them unless I break the glass. And I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Regardless, Celine, you get put, your wings no, back. Put, just, just put like just. Second of all, she taps the bracers. That's 
anti-magic. So it takes him off? Or none at this of, point, I'm like, no, Celine. None of, none of your items will work while you are wearing these. Celine opens her mouth several times to, as if she's going to say something. You should have asked me, Felt. I am sorry. Don't be with <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? You know what? When somebody takes retribution and shoots it a bunch in front of a bunch of people and you get upset? No. I I I merely held retribution once and you got very, very unhappy. Well I was holding much. it. I wasn't like banging it on the table or putting things in it. No, I was holding it and I said, Oh look, here is retribution and you're like, give me that sound like that. I'm approximating. <laughs> Celine sits oh. back in her seat and pouts. Despite of this, I think that took them down a couple of notches. I would say so. I hope so. The prosecution calls to the stand Leroy Brown. Thank you so much for supporting Let's Be Legendary podcast. If you're enjoying our story, please take a moment to rate and review on iTunes. You'd be surprised how much this helps others to find us. For news and extra content, visit our website at letsbelegendarypodcast.com or follow us on Facebook at Let's Be Legendary and Twitter at Let's Be Legend Pod. We also spend a lot of time in our Discord server, so please feel free to stop in and say hello. Links are in the description and on our website. For more content from our crew, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get to listen to episodes two days before the general public, exclusive sneak peeks of new art, DMs and players' notes on characters, and access to Bonus Round, a limited, exclusive series run by our patrons. Talia Gray is played by Chris Sass Council, Celine Argent is played by Megzi Sass Council, and our Dungeon Master is Molly Hexcroft. Our producer and editor is Molly Hexcroft, pronouns she, her. Our producer and manager is Jess Richards, pronouns they, them. Our producer... Art director and assistant mixer is Megzi Sass Council, pronouns she, her. And finally, our producer, director, editor, and mixer is Chris Sass Council, pronouns they, them. Credits for music and sound effects are in the description below. Celine's tarot deck is the Marigold deck by Amrit S. Brar, and the tarot guide used in-game can be found at biddytarot.com. Thanks again for listening, and stay legendary.